Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. And I'm Gojo. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of film, or what we've been watching today. And then yeah. we're going to go into some film news. Uh, we're going to do a full review of Sam Raimi's Oz the Great and Powerful. And then if we got some time left, we'll do a Food for Thought, sponsored by Willie. Yeah. But uh, we can start off with the what we've been watching. Willie, what you been watching? Um, I actually, I just watched Hitchcock. Okay. Um, with uh, Scarlett Johansson and the always great Anthony Hopkins, mm-hmm. um, who is really good in this movie, but I didn't really like the movie, which is surprising because I really like Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, I took a class on Hitchcock in uh, community college. It was completely accidental. I signed up for a film <laughs> class and it wound up being a Hitchcock class, but it was labeled as a film class, and I was like, oh no. I have to watch old movies because at the time I was like 18 and I didn't want to watch old movies yeah. for whatever reason. And uh, I really wound up enjoying it and I became a fan of his. So I just wish the movie had focused more on his career as a whole as opposed to just the the making of Psycho, which is really what it sticks to. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's Hopkins is great. All, the whole cast is great. It just I feel like there's a lot more to delve in. There, there were a lot more opportunities to get into who he was, you know. At different points in his career, I guess I just wanted a movie that was like that, more that followed him yeah. throughout his career. And he's he's such a interesting topic. It seems weird to focus on. Yeah, and I I mean I I can understand the mentality of a filmmaker to go in and say, okay, well well this is a guy whose career spans such a long period of time, and he's made so many classic films. How do you you know narrow this down into a two-hour yeah. movie? And I understand Psycho really makes a lot of sense to be the go-to one because I mean it's. When people think Hitchcock, they initially think Psycho. Yeah. Even though it was really different from what he typically did. Mm-hmm. Um, they even make it, a, make it a point in the movie to... Uh, one big part of that is that people were kind of shocked that he took this movie because they're like a horror movie. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You know. And, and what's funny is Hitchcock is kind of known as a horror guy now. Yeah. Like yeah. looking back on a lot of people consider him a horror guy, but he didn't really... Do it a ton of horror movies. Like a, suspense. a lot of suspense, a lot of intrigue. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, early on, he did a lot of yeah spy thrillers. Yeah, yeah that was that Victorious, was really where he got his start. Um, um, North by Northwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was the movie he made right before uh, Psycho was North by Northwest. Oh, yeah. And and uh, I mean, that movie was is considered a classic to this day. And, well, and great, yeah. yeah, it's a great movie. But he he wasn't happy with it, which is strange. You would think it's strange, but he felt that he was just kind of treading water and doing the same old thing over again. So that's why he had heard about Ed Gein, the serial killer, and there was a book written about it called Psycho, and he's like, I'm making this movie. People thought he was nuts. Interesting bit about uh, North by Northwest, to kind of jump back to that. Yeah. I I remember hearing a story. He originally wanted to call it The Man in Lincoln's Nose. (laughs) It's debatable whether that's true or not. The Man in Lincoln's Nose. uh, TCM that I heard it. So It's got to be somewhat true. Yeah. Um, TCM Minute brought to you by the amazing Gojo. Heck yeah. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I I guess I expected more. Um, yeah. So I wasn't nuts on it, although Anthony Hopkins is really good. Um, and that's that's really the last thing I can remember watching. Um, yeah. I wanted to watch Life of Pi. My intention was to watch that as well Yeah. Uh, this week, but I didn't get a chance to so yeah i should get around to that at some point yeah i've heard i've heard pretty good things so i'd like to maybe next time we record i will have seen it by then probably not though but <laughs> maybe <laughs> i'll probably have watched more stuff that wasn't as good as what life of pi probably is so wwe 
Yeah, WWF, yeah. Excuse me. I've been watching a lot of that, and I, I just want to fess up. You know, I've been watching <laughs> a lot of wrestling um, lately, and I was a I was a wrestling fan as a kid. I watched a lot of like the what I consider to be the classic wrestling with you know Macho Man and Hulk Hogan and Jake the Snake and all these other guys that were like the wrestling legends. And I stopped for a long time, and then I watched a little bit when Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock were like at their peak. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of watching it again now because. I have a friend who's really, really into wrestling, and he's, like, getting me overly excited for WrestleMania. <laughs> I don't know how he did it, how he sold me that WrestleMania is going to be so much fun, but now I'm, like, catching up on, like, at least 10 years' worth of wrestling stuff. I'm, like, downloading it all into my brain, you know? Fill you in for the, the yeah. impending doom. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, I, yeah, I've been watching too much wrestling lately. So if I sound, if I sound a little less... If I grunt a lot more during this podcast, it's probably because <laughs> I've been watching wrestling. So, all right, we'll keep that in mind. Gojo, do, do you want to? Yes. Give us a few thoughts on Skyfall. Skyfall, yes, the last movie that I actually saw in its entirety was Skyfall. That was <laughs> what, like six months ago. Um, <laughs> I I enjoyed it a lot as a uh, as both kind of an evolution of the Bond formula and a return to form, also. Hmm. Um, there were a, there were a lot of classic nods to to the Bond, uh, yeah, to Bond as it originally was, and then a lot of uh, a lot of it was kind of with a wink and a nod, like, "Hey, remember how corny this used to be?" And yeah. then a lot of it was legitimately um, was very cool. Um, but uh, and I've I've actually not been a fan of Dan, the Daniel Craig Bonds because yeah. he's. Um, he kind of strikes me as a charmless blunderer. Um, <laughs> he just doesn't have the the suave Bond demeanor. Um, he has the edge, which a lot of Bonds don't have, like Roger Moore, for instance. Um, was really just a, a foppish dandy, as the British would call him. But uh, <laughs> Daniel Craig's kind of on the opposite end of that. But they they recaptured a lot of the um, the style to Bond in this, and I uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Good. Yeah, that's good. good. Yeah, I, I figured. You know, I I remember hearing that you didn't like the the Daniel Craig Bonds as much, and after seeing Skyfall, I was like, this is probably more a little more yeah. towards Gojo's. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say the movies were. I don't have the the movies were good. I mean, I well, I saw Casino Royale. Didn't see the Quantum Quantum Yeah, Souls. that one. Didn't see that one yet. It's in my stack, but um, I, can, I will say, can, yeah. You can stand to move it a little lower in the stack, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the I movies heard. are great, but um, as Bond films, they have a different standard. I think. They, yeah, they definitely do. They were definitely more inspired, I think, by the Bourne definitely. Yeah, movies. absolutely. I mean, I think that that was a huge, huge, huge thing for them. I mean, in a post-Haywire world. Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, let's... let's the two errors of filmmaking. <laughs> Pre and post Haywire. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Uh, anything else you've been watching? Nothing else in. No, wrestling? actually. Uh, yes, yeah. I just watched a wrestling highlight video, which uh, has me waxing nostalgic. But um, <laughs> um, I'm spreading the uh, the sickness to yes. others. Yeah, <laughs> returning us to our. Uh, I'm a little more resistant than. Returning us to our philistine roots, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's. It's entertaining programming. I won't say it's good, but I will say it's entertaining. I I will say about wrestling, because this is now the Midwest Wrestling Podcast, um, (laughs) it's very interesting how much of an empire they built, and 
just these really like cheesy stories, like how they <laughs> how they're able to get people to care. Mm-hmm. And it's you know good on them, I guess for. And it's I, what's funny too now is is since I've been doing my catch up, and I don't want to stick on wrestling for too long here, but. I find it I I find myself not watching any actual matches because it doesn't really interest me all that much. What I like is like the backstage story. Yeah. Because when you really think about it, there's a pretty incredible amount of preparation that has to go into something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean I just I just like reading and watching the the backstage craziness and the the, the <laughs> egos getting out of control and stuff. It's very interesting. It's a weird it's almost like a rock star thing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's I don't know. It's it's pretty fascinating. And there's some really cool documentaries on Netflix if you have any interest in watching anything about wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I flew to Georgia last week, and on the plane ride down, I was looking through the movie selection because it was a big plane for some reason from here to Georgia. And uh, I turned on Crazy Stupid Love, a movie that I originally saw in theaters. And uh, it just made me realize that Willie and I need to work on our romantic comedies that don't suck, chick flicks that don't suck, uh, article slash <laughs> podcast discussion, whatever yep. form it takes. But uh, I really I really do like the movie. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of charm just oozing out of Ryan Gosling the whole time. And then on top of that, it's it's got a very... Uh, it it has an interesting story to it like you don't even realize it but like two two thirds of the way through the movie you just get hit with this like whoa <laughs> and it kind of changes yeah. the perspective on everything and it makes you appreciate how they wove everything together up to that point so and it, it's cool cuz there has been a something of a renaissance for chick flicks yeah. in the last like 5 years or so i mean we've kind of gone from and not that there's anything wrong with movies um you know that came before but for a long time there, I felt like we were kind of stuck in the generic chick flick thing. Yeah. You know, it's like you cast your leading lady who is probably either going to be A, Jennifer Aniston, B, uh, Jennifer Lopez, or C, um, what's her name? Kate, Kate Hudson. You yeah. know, like you cast yeah. one of those three, <laughs> and then you cast a good looking leading man, and there's no real actual chemistry or storyline. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like they've kind of found ways to make them unique and interesting again. So, yeah. That's cool. It's. It's just one of those things where, like, it's there. There are a few different romantic comedies that Willie and I have talked about, mm-hmm. and and they kind of have something special to them. That's it's a little bit more than just you know this straightforward story about a girl and a guy, and you know, yeah, girl they're, loses they're new, guy or new spins on old stories. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's very interesting. So we'll get to that at some point in the future. I think I think it would be an interesting conversation for us to have, especially Definitely. you know, seeing as how most guys aren't going to care about any sort of. Uh, yeah, most guys actively avoid such things. Yeah, yeah, yeah which, I mean, it's most understandable. Of them, I mean, so, yeah. there's some really good ones out there, though. Yeah, so we'll we'll get to that in the future future tees right there <laughs> uh other than that um not much yeah i mean i i started my netflix account yesterday because there was a reddit topic on like sitcom episodes that have like the biggest like sucker punch at the end of them you know mm. thing things like uh the the one of the most popular ones on there is the scrubs episode with uh brendan fraser and yeah yeah and john c Riley or john c Riley, john c mcginley 
You yeah, know, they, that's they, I, I don't want to say anything because if anybody hasn't seen that episode, they should probably watch Scrubs just <laughs> for that episode and watch it because it's it's amazing. But I I really wanted to watch the Michael J. Fox episodes. He did like two episodes on there, like right before he really like officially quit from from acting for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, I just really really appreciate those two episodes because not only is it like fantastic. It, acting by him on top of the fact that he's dealing with his with his parkinson's disease mm-hmm. and, but it's extremely well written and and just everything about it just it all comes together in the end at both both of the episodes kind of have their own like miniature like arc to them for all of the characters in it and uh and it's really good season three episode 12 and 13 for those of you mm-hmm. who who want to know but Anyway, I think we can we can move on from the what we've been watching, go into some film news, which uh, we kind of had a lot, especially because uh, last week or two weeks ago we just talked about the Oscars. We didn't really talk about mm-hmm. any news, but there wasn't a whole lot that went on. Um, we'll start off here with a little PSA: uh, Christopher Nolan's next movie, Interstellar, which we've talked about a little bit in the past, uh, based based on like wormhole time travel and stuff like that. Um, it's going to be out November 7th, 2014, and it will be seeing an IMAX release. So, looking very much forward to that. Mostly just a public yeah. service announcement of, hey, this is coming. Be prepared. Well, his his original movies, I've always thought, are better, are even better than his Batman movies. Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. He's one of those directors that works very well in his own worlds. Yeah, no, there's... Well, that's just part of dealing with a super with a superhero movie, is you've kind of got... You're kind of tied down by the yeah. fiction as much as you are uh, helped by it a lot mm-hmm. of ways because you have to worry about fan service and mm-hmm. special moments, backstory, yeah. and origins, and yeah, which you get in. I mean, you get you get a lot of that stuff in standalone releases, but they there's an established canon to superhero films that can be probably very uh, very restrictive to someone mm-hmm. as creative as yeah. as the Nolan boys are. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it'll be. I, I'm excited. Yeah, and I think Nolan we'll talk movie. a lot more about it as it, as we head towards release. Casting too. news and oh yeah, all that stuff. All right. Um, on the on the same note as Christopher Nolan, his uh, cinema longtime cinematographer Wally Pfister, who started work with him, not with Memento, but I think Batman Begins and On was almost exclusively uh, Wally Pfister, if not completely exclusively Wally Pfister. He's going to be directing a feature called Transcendence. This isn't really new information. This kind of came out a while ago. Um, it's going to be out April 24th, 2014, but officially signed on are Johnny Depp, Paul Bettany, and Rebecca Hall. Uh, I don't know much about Rebecca Hall. She's going to be in Iron Man 3 this summer. Yeah, she was also in um, The Town. Okay. She was the female lead in The okay. Town. I, I still have to watch The Town. She's good. I mean, I, I've seen her in a couple movies, and I, I like her. Yeah. She's she's another one of those really cool kind of up-and-coming actresses that probably has a... going to be getting bigger and bigger as the years yeah. roll on. Yeah. So. I'm I'm excited to see Johnny Depp in a non... Tim Burton. Non-Tim Burton film. Yeah, that's... be able to do it? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is it going to be captivating, or is it just going to be the tourist? He's going to be... Which I know, I know you are somewhat of an apologist for. It's not that bad. Yeah. It's really not. I still haven't watched it. Um, But yeah, Wally Pfister, I mean, I... Here, well, here's one question I think we should ask ourselves. So his movie's coming out April of 2014, and Nolan's is coming out November of 2014, so he will not be cinematographer on Nolan's movie? Who knows? 
Because isn't he going to have his hands full with his own movie? You would it think seems like so. a safe bet, yeah. So that that's interesting. And then on top of that, I really like Wally Pfister, but sometimes he says things that make me mad. Yeah, like every I know you watch Side by Side, and this is probably what you're referring to. He he like in Side by Side, he takes a very staunch stance against digital filmmaking. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I I understand it, but you would think he would be a little more. Uh, diplomatic th- about what he says yeah he's he's sometimes i think that he has good intentions but i think so, and he's obviously very passionate about his work but i think that sometimes he has a tendency to come off like a blowhard yeah and and, it, and it, that bugs me a little bit yeah and he's made some comments about now believe me i understand there are major issues with the cinematography in avengers but to call it a piece of crap <laughs> yeah it doesn't seem fair yeah. so that that really rubbed me the wrong way too yeah. but i i think that i mean we'll see you know I, we have nothing really to yeah. judge to judge him as a director by yeah, so. it'll, it'll be very interesting to see if his cinematography skill translates to director i wonder if he'll be director and cinematographer I, of his own I, film i would guess he will be yeah. and i think that unless he has somebody he really trusts but christopher nolan <clears throat> oh <my> gosh <laughs> that's so silly they just swap roles for a little while <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's, i mean that's a lot of work for one guy to take on and that's true it is and you got to think director has to deal with i mean how does he deal with actors i mean how does mm-hmm. he deal with uh all the all the various production aspects that inevitably come up with a director when you're I mean he's gonna have a lot more on his plate so yeah yeah so that'll that'll be interesting to see yeah it's cool because you don't see a lot of cinematographers that wind up kind of becoming household names no yeah you know what I mean like like plenty of people know directors and stuff but yeah. cinematographers you don't really hear people talking about it's too like, often it's like Wally <laughs> Pfister Roger Deakins and then there's like a bunch from like the olden days like sure there's a there's a couple other ones that that are but he's he's really kind of risen to become it doesn't shock me i guess is what i'm saying that he's making the next yeah step yeah so all right um next up uh we're gonna get a new vacation film sometime soon like vegas vacation national lampoon's, national lampoon's vacation yeah uh and it's starring ed helms it's gonna film this summer uh i personally i've seen christmas vacation and i've seen i think most of european vacation and I've, well, I've probably seen a lot of the, the you know, vacation itself, mm-hmm. but I've seen them all in, like, bits and pieces. I've never seen it, like, all in one go mm-hmm. except for Christmas Vacation. So They're on it, TV a lot. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. are. Um, so it's easy to catch it. But the, the vacation movies are comedies of a sort that you don't see anymore. It's no. a lot of... It's a lot of, it's a lot of gags, um, yeah. mm-hmm. which, it honestly, it doesn't seem like, like their gags are... are I don't know, popular anymore. <laughs> um, uh, it seems like a lot of uh, f- filmmakers, even comedic filmmakers, think they're either above that or they even go below that well, yeah. with a lot of sewer crap. You know? Yeah. Um, but and they were raunchy for their time. They were. I mean, Vacation they had were. some very raunchy moments in it, um, especially with Clark Griswold fascinating about women in bikinis and whatnot. There's that, yeah. But it's, it's one of the things that it has... And, and the series in general, I mean, European Vacation is more kind of raunchy than the rest, I think. Yeah. But um, one thing that that series has is it has a lot of heart, too. And you've got yeah. that center character, that Clark Griswold is very lovable. and he's, Yeah, he's kind of, kind of got the everyman thing going about him. And, yeah. Uh, he deals with a lot of hyperbolized uh, everyman uh, situations. I think I just made up a word like hyperbolized. <laughs> well, no. and, and you genuinely you genuinely care about what happens to him. You yeah. Know, that, and that's, that's, that's really kind of nice. Um well, I'll just say the vacation movies are a lot of Chevy Chase. 
Like oh, Chevy absolutely. Chase, like he's Chevy the Chase, he's ingrained yeah. in those films. Mm-hmm. So apparently uh, Ed Helms is going to play Clark Griswold's son. Rusty? Ooh. I, Interesting. Uh, yeah, that's his son. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's completely <laughs> confirmed yet. But Who's that's... been played, by the way, by like five actors oh, yeah, it's or been something. a different one every Anthony movie, Michael I'm Hall sure. played him once. Yeah. And Ethan Embry yeah. played him yeah. once. Um, the... the the vacation films are from that like '80s era where you'll get like the John Candy movies, like the the Uncle Buck. It was the John by, Hughes films by John yeah. Hughes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it's that kind of that kind of comedy to me seems like it's it's been lost. It was it was kind of here for a long time, yeah, and then it was gone. Mm-hmm. And I, it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, recapture the original spirit. But I'm, yeah. I'm doubtful. They're either going to dumb it down, and I hate to say that, but they're either going to dumb it down and make it more raunchy and hangover-ish, or they're going to certainly try and recapture that same spirit. I prefer that they tr- at least try to. I don't necessarily yeah. think they will, because I think part of the what makes those movies work that John Hughes era of comedy filmmaking work is is the era itself. Yeah. yeah. I really do. I think that, that that era lends itself to to that kind of comedy. And I, I mean I could be wrong and I, I I'd love to see kind of a resurgence of those funny adult comedies that yeah. have a lot of heart too. Yeah. But you I don't know, we'll see. You know well, it's I, I mean I didn't see Three Stooges, but I had the same I had the same thought on that when I, when I heard that was coming out. I'm like how are we going to be able to remake or well yeah bring back the three stooges sure. and that's it's the same kind of thing it's comedy from a totally different era absolutely so i don't know if that was successful or not i don't know if you guys saw i've it heard or... mixed things about that okay. one oh. and uh, we should say uh writer directors of the film are john francis daly and jonathan goldstein john francis daly being uh sam on freaks and geeks and uh uh Sweets on Bones. Okay. Um, it, 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 he he also wrote um, Horrible Bosses. Which I liked quite a bit. Horrible Bosses, actually. It's pretty good, but it is, once again, one of those... Um, it, it's, it, it, yeah. it, it airs on the raunchier side. It's a modern comedy. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what we get from them, but there's nothing about this that makes me think uh, there's an issue yet, you know? like yeah. I'm excited to see what comes out of it. I love Ed Helms. I think uh, I think he's pretty awesome. But yeah, um, he's really funny. Yeah, so it should be cool. Um, all right. So next up, the the casting bomb of like this this movie's cast got like more and more brilliant with like every day of the past two weeks. <laughs> so we have not only James Marsden. Not only Dylan Baker, not only John C. Riley, but also Harrison Ford all joined Anchorman 2, which has just begun filming. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know my interest in Anchorman 2 has skyrocketed. That's, yeah. that's exciting. I news. will say that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell together are always great. Yeah. yeah. Um, Harrison Ford, what? Amazing. It's, it's, how, it's so cool. How many comedies has that man ever done? Very few. Very, very yeah. few. Yeah, and, and usually you, cameos, I think. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's awesome. The closest you can get is what the Indiana Jones films, probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he's it's, it's, I'm honestly fascinated just to see that. I yeah. Mean, and Jimmy Kimmel videos. He's yeah. done one or two of those. <laughs> that's true. And then he was funny that's in true. those, so. Oh, he's, I mean, he's, he's clearly got the chops, but it's, you know, it's one of those circumstances. This is, this is the type of movie you would not see this kind of actor in. No. I mean, but, uh, 
Hey, yeah. I, I, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit for it. Yeah. yeah, it's, it sounds. I mean, I, I was kind of lukewarm on it. I mean, I really liked Anchorman one, but oftentimes when we revisit something like that after a while, it, it doesn't feel right because so yeah. much of stuff has come in between that that's yeah. really kind of. Um, but Marsden, I just want to say that real quick, Marsden. <laughs> He is James Marsden of X Men and Sex Drive fame, and, and, and Sex Drive particularly is where we're going with this one. Yeah. He is so funny in that movie. Like every time he's on screen, I have a hard time seeing straight because of, like, there are tears in my eyes because yeah. he's so funny that I'm I'm, I'm laughing that hard because he's he really needs to do more comedies and I'm really pumped to see him join this cast because I feel like we know that he is playing a villain. Yes, he's playing the antagonist. The he's playing the um. The news reporter from the uh, rival station. Okay, and, and that's going to be amazing. Yes, because he's really good at the villainous thing. Yes. And that's what he did in Sex Drive. Yes. So if you have not seen Sex Drive, it is super, super raunchy, and it kind of came probably like 10 years too late, really. <laughs> yeah. But it's actually really funny, and you should watch it. James Marsden alone is worth it's, it. Yeah, yes. it's worth a viewing for just his Antics. ridiculous uh his decimation of a garage door. Oh my! It's oh god. We should we should post a link to that video, um, in the article just put so it, people can put see. Put it in the show notes. Yep. All right. Um, all right. And the last two stories are also. Oh, you know what? I skipped one. All right. Uh, Sam Mendes is, has passed on Bond Twenty Four, the mm-hmm. next Bond film. Uh, having having seen Skyfall. Yes. What what what, what do you think? I don't know anything about Sam Mendes. <laughs> Was he? I, I assume he directed yes. Skyfall. Did he direct the previous ones also? No. No. Okay. Sam Mendes um, directed like American Beauty and. He was uh, an off, okay. kind of odd choice for a, a Bond movie to begin with. Yeah. yeah. And Road to Perdition. Road okay. to Perdition was the closest thing that people were like, yeah, he'd be cool for a Bond film. But. Okay. Um, I, 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 yeah, I loved. I mean, you all, you all remember my review of Skyfall. <laughs> um, it just happened. Uh, I, I think he's a uh, yeah i think he did a great job of skyfall but um but yeah it's not like oh yeah. god he's not gonna direct the next it doesn't, bond it doesn't film. make it's, or break the... it's the bond films i mean there's such a there's such an eclectic assortment of films to begin with mm-hmm. that you know a director moving on from it is that's honestly less surprising than if he were to say yeah i'm on for number two it's certainly not the first time it's happened yeah it's i don't it's, i think honestly, only a couple probably, directors have directed more than one bond movie yeah, yeah it's probably in the 20th or you know in the 20s of times it's happened yeah um, so yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it, i'm a little disappointed because skyfall was was you know from a directorial standpoint and from a cinematography standpoint alone was very very gorgeous but sure it doesn't make me have any less faith that, you know, I'm hoping they'll come out and be like, here's another crazy, yeah. you know, option that they could pick. I know a lot of people have been clamoring for Christopher Nolan, but something tells me they're going to want a sequel out by, like, 2014, so. We will see. I mean, Gojo's kind of I, not that, wincing, well, but, you know. N- I, not that I would be ever against a, a Christopher Nolan Bond film, but it just, it seems so far out of his... Uh, his purview, I guess, especially since seem they're like heading more he towards the traditional do. Bond. Now I is the time where you'd more. expect that yeah. he wouldn't be his. You know what I mean? If if, yeah. if any time were the right time for Christopher Nolan to direct a Bond movie, it probably would have been Casino Royale. Yeah, something yeah. a lot more grounded in. Yeah, it, if he were to direct a Bond film, it would have to be a film that totally mixed up the formula. Changed, I mean, changed the way they're going, and now yeah. it looks like they're trying. They're trying to work their way into a into an established pattern for 
upcoming Bond films. Yeah. So it's I I mean it's an interesting name to toss around, but it just doesn't seem in any way likely to me. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Um more casting, like I said previously before I realized I skipped the story. Uh <laughs> Gary Oldman has joined Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Awesome. I think we can all agree there's no bad news in that sentence. Uh, Gary Oldman is in and of himself good news, so <laughs> yeah. just put him anywhere. It's yeah. like you've just made that thing better. Yeah. So totally. I you know any worry that I had of Rise of the Planet of the Apes not being awesome once uh, Rupert Wyatt left has now also completely left. Oh so. yeah, my my concerns about that movie are slowly diminishing, yes. and that really helps. So. Yeah. Um, all right, and then finally, you know, we've done a lot of Amazing Spider-Man two talking. But uh, I, I, I remember I texted, I think maybe both of you, but maybe it was just you and Nick. Uh, mm. Chris Cooper has been cast as Norman Osborn in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. That is... I, I, I don't, I'm not quite sure how to feel about it. Yeah. It's, I'd say it's over, over, mostly a positive feeling. Um, it's just Chris Cooper has always been kind of the... Um, well, I don't want to say low-rent bad guy, but I mean, he's kind of... He always he seems like a B lister. He's um, he's the he, he's the 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 white collar bad guy. He's the yeah. one behind the desk. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I I think he's I think he's a great villain. I think he's a great actor. Yeah. Um, but to see him in something this high profile is a little is is a little is a little strange for me. Yeah. Um, he doesn't do this kind of movie very often. No. I mean, he last year he did. If he's anything like Tex Richmond. In the Muppets, <laughs> then we're all set. Oh yeah, because Tex yeah. Richmond is awesome. Tex Richmond is your classic uh, corporate villain. Yes, and that's yeah, that's your Osborne. That's man. that's probably why Mark Webb was like, "This is the guy." Yeah. He's like, yeah, "I saw the Muppets, and this is our Norman Osborn kids. <laughs> Just put the suit on him, and he's good to go." He's I I think he's a strange I, I don't want to say inspired choice but I it's I don't think it's anything somebody would have just come out and no. said that's, that's, no. what, that's what um, I that, that's what I've been saying the through line with this amazing Spider-Man casting with um, Jamie Foxx as Electro yeah. and uh, Paul Giamatti as, as the Rhino it's been very very left field very eclectic for one yeah, yeah um, and, and like you said it's not necessarily inspired not that it isn't it's, it's, but it's just weird it's, it's just it's like, like it's like a it's like a spin-off of inspired. It's it's like there's clearly some inspiration there, but it's not the kind of inspiration where you're like, "Yeah, he'll be great in that." It's like r- really? Yeah. It's non-inspired? It's been like oh. non-inspired? No, no, I'd say non-inspired is um is the is, obvious choice. Yeah, Hugo Weaving as Red Skull. Okay. Um yeah. that's non-inspired. That's we got to who who's we, on our back. We will list? come up with a term uh, for Hugo this Weaving. Okay. at some point. In, inspired is is um, we we can we can, you know, we could probably going out on a limb here, we could say that Andy Dwyer as Star Lord, that's inspired. That's inspired because What's it's his not actual name uh, Chris Pratt. Chris yeah. Pratt. It's not something that anyone would see coming, yeah. but once it's announced, everybody goes, oh, oh. yeah, yeah. The, that's yeah, an inspired. That's inspired. Features. These are like, huh? Yeah. Not not like a negative, huh? The, yeah. That like, would be a huh. This is a huh? Like I am really curious to see how this how this ends up. Exactly. Um, yeah, Chris Cooper. I am really curious to see how it ends up. Uh, does, does anybody see him in a Green Goblin outfit? Not, no. not this movie. No, no I no, see no, no, him. Not, I see him as in general. Norman Osborn. Really hard to see him as Green Goblin. Yeah, uh, I mean Defoe. I think 
Defoe nailed it, yeah. I think. Defoe um, did nail it, but maybe beforehand, I think you might have thought the same thing. I don't it's, think I ever possible, thought yeah. that Defoe was weir- a weird choice, though. Not I, necessarily a weird choice, but did you think you could see Defoe as the Green Goblin? Yes, I did. Okay. I will say I never thought of it when it happened. Yeah, at, this, at this point, I was Because like, I was like a freshman in high school yeah, or something. Yeah, I, um, I was even less so. But... Um, I had seen Platoon a lot. But so. again, that was it. I think, I, I think we're going to be seeing Norman Osborn and Green Goblin. There's probably not going to be a lot of mixing of it, and probably not in Spider-Man Two. Actually, yeah. yeah. I think we're just going to have Osborn as villain, and then th- string puller. Ho- hopefully, three will lead up to the epic. Yeah. Uh, goblin. Mm-hmm. We're not going to try to shoehorn him in here like we did with Venom type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. Alright, um, so I think we'll take a quick break bef- just before our review of uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. Uh, Gojo, you're welcome to stick around and jeer at us if you want. Okay. But, but I, I will say I was in a um, stage play of The Wizard of Oz <laughs> not long ago, so I have some authority on matters of Oz. Okay. Alright. So there's that. All right. <laughs> so we'll be right back. Uh, we will mark spoilers if we do go into spoilers, so don't worry about that, but we'll be right back. And we're back. We're going to break into our Oz the Great and Powerful review, uh, directed by Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. Can't talk. Uh, starring James Franco, Michelle Williams, Rachel Weisz, uh, Mila Kunis, Zach Braff, uh, Bruce Campbell, as always. <laughs> um, and the synopsis is, a small-time magician r- arrives in an enchanted land and is forced to decide if he will be a good man or a great one. It's pretty pretty, pretty, as- pretty astute. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Um, the interesting thing is, I kind of read something today that uh, that the movie acts as the prequel to both the movie and the the, the original movie mm-hmm. the wizard of oz and the book um and it also very clearly steers completely clear of any iconic imagery of the original movie because that is a warner bros film oh ah, interesting warner brothers still has three oz movies in development right now what Interesting. And Disney made this one in the time that it has taken them to do nothing with those three. Interesting. So, think, think I didn't that, realize that. That's that's why there's certain iconic items that don't appear in the film. There's also um, the Emerald City looks pretty different. But anyway, I can, think that's smart too, though. Just just as a side note, I think that's very smart to not do that because The Wizard of Oz is considered such a classic yeah. of film that I think um, doing anything to make yourself comparable to that any more than you have to is a bad idea yeah. so i think i think it actually works out in their advantage yeah. a little bit future Absolutely. star wars movies take note <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes please do all right so um so willie what did you think where, where are you as a wizard of oz uh what have you experienced in the land of oz um i mean it was my it's my dad's favorite movie mine too but which is kind of strange because we've actually figured this out yesterday when yeah. we saw the movie um it's 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 a classic, and I I haven't read the books. Um, my dad had a had a copy of one of the books. I don't know which one it was, but it had like illustrations. I remember I used to flip through it and look at the illustrations because they were really cool. Yeah. Um, but I did never read them. Um, I like I like 
Oz. I think it's it's one of those really cool classic fairy tales, you know, um, like Alice in Wonderland or, mm-hmm. or any of the others. Um, and I, I actually, weirdly enough, like Return to Oz, which was a movie that was made in the 80s um, as a sequel to Wizard of Oz because it's really dark and creepy and there's guys on roller skates that are, like, cackling and stuff. It's really weird. <laughs> but I actually like that movie, too. So I, I was excited to kind of see for the first time in a long time a new spin on that world and that universe and um yeah i mean i'm not an oz expert so yeah. so i was, certainly wasn't offended by anything i saw in here okay in regards to that yeah yeah i i mostly you know hit the same points i've never seen return to oz though but you should check it out it's pretty cool yeah. yeah there's a queen that like wears different heads like has a collection of severed heads that she puts on. It's oh, really dear. creepy, but it's kind of cool because it's different like that. It has more of a never-ending story type okay. vibe about it. Okay. <clears throat> well, I think I think the um, that's how I don't know. I haven't read the books, but from what I've heard, that's they're more towards the um, towards that end than they were towards the um, happy fairy tale of the original Wizard of Oz, sing which song was, and all yeah, that, sing songy. Yeah. Um, lovely place yeah. there was a little a, it was a little the books were a little darker um as most childhood as, fairy yeah. tales are yeah. yeah i mean a lot in the way of alice in wonderland i think yeah. um and you could see that that's kind of a product and the movie came out in like the 40s you know like, sure yeah. and musicals i mean that was the thing exactly. you know so yeah. it made perfect sense during that time period to take a classic children's story and and turn it into what they turned it into. Yeah, and it's still really it still holds up. That's that's the interesting thing is, and if you watch the Wizard of Oz now on TV, by the the forties I meant nineteen thirty nine, but anyway, which is well, pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. You were almost there. Um, but that being said, I mean I I enjoyed the movie as yeah. you know as not you, you, not you enjoyed Oz the Great and Powerful. Yes, which I did. Is the movie we're apparently reviewing right now. Yes, <laughs> Oz the Great and Powerful. Yes, um, I did enjoy it. Um, I think that I mean I do have some gripes. Which mm-hmm. maybe we can get into right away here. Um, the actors. I was a little bit uh, uncertain of if they knew what they were doing when they were when they were working in certain p- parts because it's it's weird because I have a thing with James Franco where I honestly feel like he he can sometimes be a bit of a lazy actor mm-hmm. and he doesn't really put everything into a performance mm-hmm. and and the only reason why I critique him like that is because he's kind of become this actor that's held up to a very high you know caliber of other other young yeah. actors like Definitely, ever since yeah. 127 hours danny boyle it, exactly and i'm not saying he's a bad actor by any means i just don't think that he gives himself completely to a performance most yeah. of the time yeah and he just winds up feeling kind of like james franco a lot mm-hmm. and he does he's guilty of that here and actually um mila kunis as well has a couple moments where i was like eh, you know yeah. she doesn't feel like she's really into it um, yeah, and I mean, I can totally agree with the James Franco. Like, the whole time, <laughs> part of the smarminess in the beginning of the film fits, like, the character and what, what they want you to feel about who he is as a person and, and what that time frame really was like. Mm-hmm. But then as the as the movie continues, he just gets a lot of these, like, looks on his face where it just looks like James Franco. He's not like the <laughs> Wizard of Oz, or, you know, mm-hmm. he's not... So... I, I definitely have, you know, some reservations about him. Mostly him. Everybody else I was okay with, but I can see what you're saying with, with Mila Kunis as well. Yeah, and, and her less so than Franco. I feel like part of it might be the fact that this is a film that's largely acted on on green screen. On, I mean... Yeah, it's it's really, for all intents and purposes, a CG movie. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, 
maybe it's really hard as an actor to lose yourself in the role when you don't have a world to lose yourself in as well. That's true, but it, it's becoming, I think it's becoming a lot more common nowadays yeah. to, to mm-hmm. be in a green screen movie. So, yeah. It, so yeah, I think you lose so, a little bit of excuse today in, yeah. the, in the modern technology uh, yeah, I'm, taking I'm not, over. I'm not trying to excuse oh, yeah, it, yeah. but that's, you know, that, I it's feel like that's... It's an explanation. Yeah. yeah. So. And that was one of the big complaints people that worked on the Star Wars prequels had with the Star Wars prequels was that, yeah. what am I what am I doing? What yeah. am I, what, what is this tennis ball? <laughs> so I, I get that. But I think that everybody else works pretty well. I think that uh, Michelle Williams is very, very convincing as Glenda Gorgeous the Good Witch. Looks movie. super, super beautiful, but it fits that role that, that role perfectly, and I totally buy her as, as Glinda. Yeah. Totally get it. And and Rachel Weiss, who is always good. I mean, yeah. I, I haven't seen her put on, put a, give a bad performance ever, not since, like, The Mummy, yeah. which was her first thing. So Yeah, like, she... She's, she's always... She definitely elevates Constantine along with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, well, you know, we won't... You, you're, you apologize to you. I love that movie. Um, but, but um, yeah, and some of the, the supporting um, performances are really good. I don't know who played. There's a there's a small doll in the movie that becomes kind of one of the companion characters. Yeah, I can, um, we can. We have it open It's like right a small, uh, she's like a. Joey King? A glass doll. Okay. Um, yeah, oh, I actually know her. That's um, Talia Ghul. Yeah. Young Talia. Yes, from, young Talia. And she was oh, really, really good. Um, I actually felt more emotionally connected to her and to Finley, the CG flying monkey yeah, played by Zach Braff, yeah. than I did to the actual human characters. I most can of understand time, that. Which is really strange, and I don't feel like I should have felt that way. But it, it goes to show you, A, the quality of, of what people can do with motion capture. I don't know if they use motion capture on this, but what they can do with creating CG characters, it's like, oh my god, I, I really feel for this flying monkey yeah know. and yeah zach braff i think certainly went a, a long way i know that uh Raimi had him film all of his scenes in a blue suit and just get taken out later like he was right there on set with james franco to kind of which is with. great i think that's the way things should be done yeah with, with cg characters absolutely so it, it's zach braff did a very good job and i do remember thinking that that the little china girl is she was yeah was really a, really sympathetic really yeah, yeah a really good job there I, that kind of brings me to my my next gripe is mm-hmm. that really I felt like a lot of the characters just kind of breezed by the screen, you know. Uh, F- Finley's kind of you know gone for part of the movie a little yeah. bit, and and along with the China girl, really. So you know I enjoyed those characters a lot, and uh, I can talk about this point a little bit more in spoiler territory. But it just feels like there's a lot of characters that that kind of swathed by the screen and yet all you really get to you get to know Oz really well and mm-hmm. that's and even then because of James Franco's performance you don't really care that much yeah you don't feel terribly sorry for what's happening no, to him a lot and of the time he doesn't he he doesn't have a very sympathetic uh, character and and really you know and maybe it's part of the story's design that that you don't feel for him as much but we'll get to that in the spoiler section too I think but it just you know you spend time building this world, but you don't spend any time with the characters. I think you need to have a better balance than that in a in a film. You yeah, know? yeah, and I think there's some moments during the film where the, where it, it tends to kind of tread water for a while in places that don't that doesn't necessarily need to. Yeah. Um, and things things like um, um, you know, kind of hammering the same points home over and over and over again. Yeah. And I feel like I, I feel like some of those, some of that time could have been used in in developing 
and Absolutely. some of the other characters. Um, Finley being one of them. I didn't feel like there was a major, a huge arc for Finley, and he was really cool. So I, yeah. I wanted to see a little bit more from him. And even from uh, Mila Kunis and Rachel Weiss, I didn't feel quite the the emotional connection I should feel to them because of the events that transpire with their characters. I feel like it would have been nicer to spend some more time with them and learn more about them, maybe. Well, it's interesting, too, because you would think, um, without getting into spoilers once more, Mila Kunis' character would have taken a little more time to get where she gets to. She, like, hits the fast track and is just... Yeah, the... That's and that's one of those things where yeah. I, it would have been things things that happened with with her and and Rachel Vice's character would have been much more impactful had we taken some time with taken them. some time to work on that yeah and um I think I think the movie needed to redistribute its running time a little bit differently yeah. to work a hundred percent the movie doesn't this movie didn't need to be two hours and twenty for ten minutes for what it came out to be like. It, it if if it was going to be two hours and ten minutes, it should have been distributed better. Yeah. That being said, I, I did enjoy the movie. I by, did too. by no means did I hate this movie. I, um, I think Raimi. Raimi just has a lot of fun doing what he does, and yeah. it, and and I think that I, mean, I think that it shows. Um, I there's a couple of fun Raimi moments in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you've mm-hmm. got your your character screaming at the camera as the camera zooms in really quickly on her face yep. and stuff. Things like that. Like little like Raimi moments that yeah. I, where I was thinking to myself sitting down in the movie like where is he going to use this? Like this, <laughs> this you know and, and he, he finds good places to use the, the Raimi-isms or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Um, I think that the CG is gorgeous in this oh, movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean really really uh, um, really knocked out of the park with the CG. Yeah. And they make they make kind of cartoony characters and um cartoony environments feel pretty real. Yeah. I never once questioned, you know, flowers made of jewels blooming next yeah. to James Franco. That, you was, know. that was really cool. It was cool, and it, and it, and it worked. Um, and I think there were some moments in, in other fil- similar films, like Alice in Wonderland, Tim Burton, which I also liked, that didn't work quite as well. Okay. So I, I appreciated that. And then I thought the 3D, we saw it in 3D, and I thought the 3D was... For somebody who doesn't like 3D movies, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, and I mean, it does have gimmicky moments in it, but at least it was, like, well done 3D. It wasn't post-production, let's run this through a filter that turns it into 3D, and then it looks like a, a storybook, you know, mm. like a pop-up book. Absolutely. So I, I was, you know, it was filmed in 3D, so it shouldn't look that way, and I, and I appreciate that they'd take the time to do that and spend the money on it. It certainly turns out a better product in the end. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it makes good use of... My favorite thing in 3D movies is particles yeah you know because i think those for some reason work the best in yeah. 3d movies you know ash or or um embers from a fire or something mm-hmm. and they they find good ways to use those that don't feel like hey this is see this in 3d you know what i mean it yeah. feels it it works with what the movie's showing you so that was cool yeah. um and then i also want to say that i i like some of the nods to um to yeah. the original film yeah um and I'll talk a little bit more about those, I think, in, in the spoiler section, because I don't yeah. want to give away any specific nods, but there are references to characters from The Wizard of Oz, and um, might even be an appearance or two of characters from Wizard of, the, Wizard of Oz yeah. um, that were really kind of fun. And I, I almost wish I had watched the original before I watched this, so I could... Be in tune to it a little more. A little bit more. Yeah. But, um, no, I think it's I, I think that they did a good job of, of handling um, those little bits that remind you of where this film is stemming from without like shoving it in your face. So. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I'll go back and say that, like, maybe two weeks ago, if you would have talked to me about this movie, I wasn't very excited for it. Not because it looked bad, but it's just kind of one of those things where, yeah, my dad loved The Wizard of Oz, and I feel like that movie, like, when when we got a DVD player, oh my god, did we watch The Wizard of Oz, like, a billion times. So, it just kind of, the whole world and, and, and you know, milieu, I think uh, pretentious people would say, uh... <laughs> really is a little bit lost on me but then actually sitting down to to watch the movie i could feel in the in the credits i was like this is a sam raimi movie like i it i hearkened back to sitting down and watching spider-man in theaters and watching the credits come by and like all the spider like it's the same kind of thing in, in this movie it really just that felt like like a like a sam raimi credit sequence i wonder if he fit his car in this movie anywhere maybe I don't know. Maybe. That, it's got to be car, there somewhere. That car shows up all over the place in Sam Raimi <laughs> movies. Um, but on top of that, uh, we got a score by Danny Elfman, which did not feel like Danny Elfman to me. I, it, it wasn't obviously Danny Elfman as, as a lot of Danny Elfman films. It didn't feel like a Tim Burton movie. No, exactly. It, musically. Which, you know, I think everybody working with Tim Burton needs to break up with him and maybe just move on to greener pastures. But um, It'd be good for him, too. Yeah, I think so, because Tim Burton's a fantastic filmmaker, but anyway, this isn't Tim Burton. <laughs> it's just Sam Raimi. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I ended up enjoying the film a lot more than I thought I would, and, and you know, good on it for that. It's It certainly is, it's a fun ride. Um, a lot of beautiful imagery, like you said, the, the, the CG is top-notch, um, and, and the 3D definitely works pretty well. Um, I really enjoyed uh, some of the the contraptions of the world, like a lot of a lot of the the imagery that you get of of the tinkers. They're 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 called. Um, they they build some really cool machines and things like that, and it's just very cool. Uh, uh, it's not it's not not even like prop design. I wouldn't even know what to call it, but like. Just those those kinds of mechanical things that end up getting incorporated in the movie. It's really cool design to that. I think mm-hmm. graphic design, I suppose, would be the actual word for it. But uh, all in all, I mean, pretty pretty solid performances from most of the cast, except for the ones that we've kind of talked about. And uh, and I think it's a pretty good movie. It, you know, eighty million dollars in your opening weekend in March is, you know, this impressive. Is, this is the biggest movie of the year so far, and, uh, and you know. I think rightfully so. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, Gojo, anything to add as the person who hasn't seen the movie? <laughs> as a person who hasn't seen the movie and who honestly didn't actually have a lot of interest in seeing the movie, even though, uh, as I mentioned before, I was in a stage play of The Wizard of Oz. Um, <laughs> if you didn't hear that, people. If you didn't hear that before. But that was in the past, so you can't see it. Sorry. Um, I'll have to, I have to say, I wasn't... I didn't see this movie and say, oh, I kind of want to see that. I saw that they were making this and I'm like why yeah um it's it's been what uh, let me do the do some quick math here like what like a 70 years since wizard of oz um I'm one did they actually make you when you were leaving the theater were you like you know I'm glad they decided to make this movie I'm I I see the purpose of making this movie now or is it just I, don't know. I think they I think a lot of it was there's a lot of the Oz realm left to be told. Oh and, yeah, there's and yeah. There's, we 
like just today we've seen that uh, Raimi doesn't want to return and uh, you know which uh, he started up this world and, and he'll let it go um, so Raimi doesn't want to return and the second film won't have Dar- Dorothy in it okay so they're they're clearly distancing themselves from the previous film and, and maybe heading more down towards some of the later books in the series or something maybe maybe they'll be a little bit more expansive in the world than than what we've ever seen before so it, it's not necessary like i i said to willie yesterday i didn't ask for this movie but i've seen it and, mm-hmm. and, and it was pretty good so yeah. if it you know if it stands to be more of a uh, a springboard to yeah like okay. a springboard into further stories and, and, and more beautiful landscapes and hopefully better performances at some point <laughs> then I'm okay with it what do you think Willie? I mean I, I agree I, I, I think I felt the same way when I heard they're making a new Oz I was kind of like why what's the point you know why are we doing this now and I, I think that a big part of that has to do with the resurgence of of these types of fantasy films yeah um, that's certainly part of it and a lot of that has to do with young adult novels that are absolutely are going nuts and that's okay um, that being said I mean I, I, I get the point now that I've seen it uh, it's cool to see I, the, the way good if you want to call this a prequel which really it isn't but I'll call it a prequel anyway yeah the best prequels in my opinion show you exactly they show you the chessboard and and you know where the where the where the the pieces on the chessboard are when the original movie starts, yeah. and you get to watch them get placed, make their way to where they were, yeah. and that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And that's the one, the, like the only thing I appreciated about the Star Wars prequels and the third one was like, okay, this is kind of cool Here's to see. Falling this is kind of cool, like at the last twenty minutes, like okay, this fell here and this fell here. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I appreciate this movie for that. Did I need to know everything in this movie? Well, not not at all. But I I enjoyed it enough to to not be angry about them showing me. Okay you know what happened before so. okay yeah i well and just restarting the um restarting the oz world there is a lot that was that in from the books that just was never um visually realized so mm-hmm. hopefully that this will be yeah a springboard to um to future there's, there's a wealth of Oz. a wealth of of oh yeah of books. like we said what 13 or 14 13 books or 14 that he wrote books. himself there's yeah. the books and then you'll see like Wicked, the stage play. Yeah, stage play. Yeah. Um, that's that's set in Oz. It's um, another, you know, another foray into the universe that doesn't deal with Dorothy or, well, Dorothy, I think, at all. <laughs> um, but I, th- I think some of the other characters make uh, appearances. Haven't seen it. Yeah. But I'll comment on it anyway. <laughs> um, because you were on a stage because play. Because <laughs> I was in a stage play <laughs> with The Wizard of Oz. Um, so yeah, it's it's one of those it's one of those universes that honestly probably hasn't gotten the attention it deserves, even yeah. though it's it's one of um, it's one of cinema's greatest you know masterpieces mm-hmm. comes from it, um, and it's so. and that's probably why it hasn't been touched since. Yeah, because I mean, everybody's afraid to touch it. I mean, how many interpretations of Alice in Wonderland have we had? Too many. Um, uh, uh, t- so many, and I yeah. mean, we've had plenty of un- adaptations of Peter Pan and plenty of adaptations of. Uh, Whatever you know, plenty of those. But Oz really has barely been touched. Yeah. You have the original. You have a musical with Michael Jackson, and you have, <laughs> you have uh, the pseudo sequel. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's 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 an untapped resource for. Yeah, it's no it's no fantasy surprise that it's like, this is a franchise starter, or franchise restarter. You know, when you have films like Let's Look Back to Last March. 
to another Disney film that was made for $300 million and got called a failure like 10 days later because it didn't make its whole budget back in like 10 days. Wait, which one was this? This would be John Carter. Oh. Which has maybe like 10 to to 14 books in the series and and could have very well set up an awesome franchise. Oh, absolutely. Uh, People are, studios are certainly looking for the next movie that's going to give them money... They're looking. They're looking for a, n- a new Star Wars. Yeah, essentially, a, yeah. New, a new fantasy, a new Lord of the Rings, a, even. a yeah. new Harry Potter. To tell you the truth, yeah, actually, that would be yeah. There's sure. eight films of here's your money every single time, and I don't care whether the movie's good or every not. Every studio yeah. wants a- at least a bankable two or franchise, three franchises yeah. under their belt. That, yeah. You know, like they really want to have that. So, I mean, Oz makes sense. Yeah. To be tapped for that next potential franchise, and I think it, I think it has a good chance of being a very successful franchise and I think that it has both critically and financially so I would like to see uh, obviously we're getting a new director on the sequel as long as Raimi sticks to his guns and doesn't decides not to do it which I don't think he will um I don't think he'll do it but there could be some really cool directors that could come out and do a sequel so I'm interested to see where it goes creatively Tim Burton (laughs) please please don't do that probably Oh no! Johnny Depp uh, returns as Oz. As Oz, yeah. as Oz, as the Scarecrow, as the Tin Man, <laughs> as the Cowardly Lion. Uh, Elena Bottom Carter is the witch. Yep. But he has different all voices for all, all of them. All of the witch. <laughs> all right. Um, That's so actually going to happen. I yeah, guarantee. It is. It is. Um, Willie, letter grade. Um, I would give Oz a B. A B. I would give Oz a B. B. Yep. Gojo, letter grade. Just kidding. <laughs> Five. <laughs> um, yeah, I think a B is a pretty solid bet. Maybe a B minus, just because James Franco. But... That B minus is, is is probably closer to mine too. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it did. You know, it surprised me a bit. So uh, I think we'll move into spoilers. So we'll take the the quick little break for spoilers, and we'll be right back. Alright, so this is spoiler territory for Oz the Great and Powerful. Willie. Um, I had mentioned earlier in non-spoiler territory about um, references to the original Wizard of Oz. And I just wanted to point some of those out, you know, in case you've seen the movie and you're curious to know and you didn't know. I mean, not that I'm better than you or anything, but I noticed <laughs> well, you a few are, things. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not, I wasn't going to say it, but... Well, that's because he's a humble man. <laughs> <laughs> um, for one, obviously, you've got the Cowardly Lion. Yep. Makes a brief appearance, which is really cool. And I'm actually kind of happy he looked like a lion. Yeah. He didn't look like, you know... A man in a guy in a lion suit. He, he looked yeah. like Aslan from Narnia, yeah. I mean, to be completely honest. But that was kind of cool. Although less majestic. Less majestic, <laughs> perhaps, yes. Um, that was cool. cowardly. <laughs> and, of course, there's plenty of uh, Scarecrow references in the movie, and Scarecrow's used in the movie. And I, from what I gathered, the spot they stopped to talk, um, when he's going to send the, the China girl back to the Emerald City, yeah. was this exact spot where Dorothy meets the scarecrow yeah it, um, it looked a lot like it along the cornfields there yeah. which was pretty cool um also of course the wizard mentions earlier um to michelle williams non-oz character non-glinda i don't remember the name of the character but wanda i think wanda i believe yes because that's another thing to talk about of course in the original wizard of oz she meets all the people she meets in oz are really people from her real life yeah 
And that happens here, too. The China yep. girl is actually the little girl that was in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and he couldn't fix her legs mm-hmm. in the real world because he's not a real wizard, but he winds up actually fixing her legs in, in the Oz world, So, mm. which was one of the more heartwarming moments in the movie for me. Yeah. But anyway... And also, we also get Zach Braff. Zach Braff as Finley, which and is his assistant on—he's his assistant on either side of the. Exactly. So that was cool that they continued that trend. Yeah. From. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the references, um, the scarecrow stuff. Uh, there was no Tin Man reference, from what I could see. No. Maybe something there that I didn't notice. Um, well, now the Tin Man, just some Oz lore here, um, started out as a normal person uh, okay. who was cursed and. He literally chopped himself to pieces and was remade as tin. So, okay. I don't know. Maybe That's there was horrifying. something. Um, Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, Sequel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All about the guy chopping himself up. Um, and obviously you've got uh, the Wicked Witch becoming the Wicked Witch. So there's that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there were some cool references. The 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 Like I was saying, Wanda, Michelle Williams' Earth character, I'll call her. Uh, she said she's going to marry um, a John. No, it's, it's Annie. It's not Wanda. Oh, is it Annie? Okay. He oh, he keeps that calling up. her he keeps Wanda. Calling her Wanda because he he doesn't remember women's names because he's a ladies' man. Okay. I think was the joke. Okay. Um, but no. Okay. Annie was her name. She she mentions marrying a um, a Gale. She's going to be. She's engaged to a Gale. Well, Dorothy oh. Gale. So oh. she, I they, I think the assumption is that Annie is Dorothy's mom. Yeah. Um, which is kind of kind of cool. Um, cool little nod there, and then of course, the Munchkin song, because the, you know you. I mean, the Munchkins yeah. were known primarily for one thing in Wizard of Oz, and it was jumping into some song and dance. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they try in this movie, and they get <laughs> shut down pretty quick. I actually enjoyed that. It was very funny, and yeah. it could have got weird. I yeah. was worried that the song was going to continue, and I was like, Oh no, did this yeah. just, come, just become a musical? Because that's not what I. <laughs> that's but, not but, what I signed on. But for. Uh, Franco, Franco. Shuts Franco, them up pretty quick, which is put the kibosh. It, on the... It's it's pretty funny, and and it was it was a clever little little moment there. So. Yeah. Um. So I was going to talk about some of the characters getting glossed by. Really, in particular, Mila Kunis. Uh, she basically like drives towards the wall at like a billion miles an hour and just goes straight from being like this conflicted girl between two two conflicted between her evil sisters intentions which yes. are not good yeah hence the evil yeah and the the legend of of the wizard of oz really and and so and she goes straight from that into being the evil witch and there is no transition no and despite the fact that like right beforehand she's just like oh you know sister you're the evil witch rachel vice or you know you're the evil one she still like shows no signs of being conflicted after being after becoming the witch either. And of course, one thing real quick that we should clarify is there are technically two evil witches yeah. in the land of Oz. They are sisters, Evanora and Theodora. Yeah. And one of the mysteries, of course, in this movie is which one becomes the wicked witch from the green-faced, curly-nosed, mm-hmm. rides yeah. on a broom witch, which of course is the Mila Kunis character. Yeah. Well, there was the Wicked Witch of the East and the Wicked Witch of the West. Exactly. Yeah. The one gets um, crushed by a house at east, the beginning, yeah. and that obviously winds up being Rachel Weisz's character mm-hmm. at some point. Down she there. was in that movie. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, those were her feet. That's, Time paradox. And the the ruby red shoes are. That's one of the iconic images that they shy away from because. They definitely the did, and I, I was I was actually uh, now I get that. Yeah. But it, it, when I watched the movie, I was surprised that there was no reference to Me the ruby too. slippers. Me too. So I'm wondering if if we make a sequel, and we can assume that it's going to be a continuation of 
of Oz and what happens to him building to the Wizard of Oz, events of a Wizard of Oz, they're not going to be able to get away with never referencing the Ruby Slippers because that's such an important... Well, I wonder if maybe, you know, are, that's the question right there. Are the Ruby Slippers in the books? I believe so. I'm pretty sure know. they are. Because maybe they're not, and then in that case, they could just kind of skirt around it. But. Well, the thing is, if if you're continuing... If if it's like you say, Warner Brothers owns, I mean, the the film franchise, then... Well, they don't, they don't own the film franchise. Well, the... Um, they don't even own the rights to the book. Like certain iconic images, I assume. Yeah. Just okay. I I think you're I think we're looking at hitting a wall there as far as continuing because yeah. you know audiences are expecting this to eventually lead up to the Wizard of Oz. So it's kind of an interesting yeah it's, you're, it's conundrum like, that they're in. In the original Wizard of Oz novel, apparently, and this is not I'm looking at my phone just so everybody knows I didn't just realize this. <laughs> you just read the book. Yeah, I just yeah. finished reading the book. Um, <laughs> In The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, Dorothy wore silver shoes. The movie's creators changed them to Ruby to take advantage of the new Technicolor film process. So there you go. So, I mean, they can kind of... They could go the more um, traditional, like, these are the books route. Or, you know... Which is interesting, yeah. because I think that uh, a lot of moviegoers, if they, if they decide to even address the shoes, which I, I think they would, um, if all of a sudden they become silver shoes... Yeah, what are the audiences going to think? They're going to be like, "Those were they were read in the original." Yeah, so these aren't books. My guess is we probably just ignore the shoes altogether. Probably, Um, although although still it yeah it comes up with you're coming up against kind of a wall at the franchise. Like with what Gojo's saying, like if this is a prequel, they kind of say that it's almost a prequel to the movie and the book. You are really grinding close to these expectations, and so it's. I mean it. Yeah, I mean, think of think of uh, uproar with the Star Wars tri- trilogy when you're leading up to little, just little things that were that were somewhat off. Fans would they would go ape about, and, sure. and you're talking for talking Wizard of Oz. We're talking uh, you've got lo- fans who are probably going to be a lot more diehard actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure, because this is this is iconic imagery for more than just you know, nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This is like generations, generations before us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of, of normal people <laughs> <laughs> uh, who cherish these, these images and, and things like that. So if you take the book route, most people I think are not going to understand. Yeah. They'll, they'll understand you're deviating from the movie, but they're not going mean, to like ulti- it. Ultimately, the color of the shoes doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Well, as long as they serve yeah. the same purpose. You yeah. know, like what I'm saying is, to the story, is if they change yeah. them to ruby shoes, it, this, this pretend that they get through all the red tape with all this Warner Brothers yeah. and all that. If they use the red shoes, I don't think anybody's going to be like, you know what I mean? Like upset that they didn't decide to use silver shoes. Yeah, that's oh, the no. interesting you know, thing no, is no that I feel it. like this is a franchise where most of the people are coming at it from the movie, which is... Which has these differences from the book. Well, it's unique that the movie is more iconic than the book. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's a very that's a rarity. So, um, one of the other things I wanted to bring up was uh, also on the topic of the Wicked Witch. Really, the prosthetics and the makeup just made me felt like she was Jim Carrey's The Mask. <laughs> like it, I, to tell you, it looks exactly like that to me. Really. Whoa. And, 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 and you're right. And the more I th- uh, the, when you initially said that, I was 
I was like, eh, I don't know. I mean, it didn't it didn't look great, but I was like, I don't think it looks like the mask. But even down to the the contacts, <laughs> yeah. even the contacts they picked for her like yeah. look like. When the the mob boss puts on the mask and the mask, she looked like him, and I was yep. like, I mean, not as not, not as manly, but <laughs> um, but and and weirdly enough, it, it another issue with the Wicked Witch is is Mila Kunis's voice doesn't really it, every time she would break into the laugh, there was this weird disconnect, like well, because the laugh is not her, exactly. you know, it's it's very much exactly. a, a sound clip from the original Wizard of Oz, Basically. pretty much, and then you've got her, and she's. She's really trying hard to not that she's bad, but she's trying hard to be like tough and stuff. She's got a very very soft voice. It's not, you know, it's not deep or anything. So it it comes off a little strange. What you're um, saying is we should have done a dramatic reading of <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, we're going to stay away from that one. But. Yeah, I that could end in tears. <laughs> yeah. Um other than that, spoiler wise, I don't think there's a whole lot to go over. No, no, I think it leaves itself open enough, open enough for a sequel. Yeah. Um, I just don't know where you go. No, I, it, I, it'll be interesting to see, like, whether we're going to see more staunch diversion from the original movie or try to segue more into the... It can do, it can do one of three things. It can, it can work its way more towards leading up to the original film, as you said. It can work its way towards leading up to the book series and be more faithful to the books which is certainly a possibility, or it can diverge into its own completely... It could take elements from the existing books and start throwing them into random movies. Yeah. yeah. I'm not opposed to any of those things. No. So. We shall see. All right. Um, I think we're going to head straight into some food for thought. So, Willie, what's our food for thought? Uh, you, can, you can send a food for thought question to us or any other comments or questions feedback in general to feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com so willie what's up all right fellas so wizard of oz hasn't been touched for a long time in cinema and there are probably a ton of other like childhood or or even not childhood just just properties that could be utilized today with like what the technology and stuff today to kind of make a new franchise so give me a couple examples of those off the top of your head you know, I, mm. I, I can't think of anything that's really, like, that old, but I think there are a few franchises that we're bound to see, like, a reboot or another entry in. Mm-hmm. I know we've been talking, like, Warner, or not Warner, uh, uh, Hanson? It's not his name. Henson. The Henson Company has been talking. Oh, my God, I think you meant Hanson the band. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> yes. why would they be rebooted? Where is there another album from Hanson? No. Uh, the Henson Company has been talking about a new Dark Crystal film like a sequel to the dark crystal for quite a long time and i think that would be interesting to see especially especially with like modern like i wonder if they would use cg backgrounds and graphics and things like that or if they would still try to go just straight puppetry and 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 like built sets and things like that and uh the other thing that i kind of thought of i don't know why because i've never actually seen any of these movies but it's interesting that we haven't seen a romancing the stone like series yes that is actually weirdly interesting yeah i never would have thought of that very much uh you know original head michael douglas and uh oh geez (laughs) i feel terrible i can't remember her name right now kathleen turner kathleen turner uh basically a somewhat of an indiana jones but i think a little bit less family oriented you know yeah it was it was like a romantic comedy action adventure film yeah and they were actually quite fun and i think they've tried to do that a little bit lately not like yeah. like, they, like fool's gold and yeah. all those like like they've tried to make adventure type 
but they haven't ever really recaptured that. So that's that's actually really good. Yeah, I, I that's the thing is that I could see this happening. Like tomorrow, I could see them be like, "Here's Romancing the Stone, starring Josh Duhamel," and it would need know. to be a remake yeah. or not even a remake, maybe just a reboot. Yeah, because I don't want to see no. those two no being romantic. With I each don't other. think so. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, they'd be in there somewhere. Yeah, it would be like their son or something. Like, yeah, who knows? But. Whatever. As long as Danny DeVito's back. <laughs> Trollfoot. Yeah. Alright. Uh, Willie, you got any? Um, yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, in the same kind of vein as Dark, Dark Crystal, I think that Neverending Story, with today's yeah. technology, I love that movie. And yeah. can you imagine Falcor today? Oh. It'd be awesome. So, I definitely think that that would be one more where you'd want to take more I of I just a, don't want to see Artax dying. <laughs> no, I don't want to live through that again. I think this would be one where, where it would be more of a, um, more of a remake type. Yeah. But yeah, or, or a reboot, you know, whatever. Um, and then the Jungle Book. Oh. I, I, I mean, I know there's a new Tarzan coming out, which is similar, I guess, in some ways to the Jungle Book story. But one of my favorite childhood movies was actually, <clears throat> I think it was from '96. <clears throat> it was a live-action version of the Jungle, Jungle Book. Jungle Jungle. Not ju- no. <laughs> <laughs> you said that, okay. Just so you guys know, Alex uh, just said that with the straightest face possible, <laughs> and it was so <laughs> funny. Um, <laughs> Anyway, not Jungle to Jungle, no. It was actually a very, very... Uh, nobody ever talks about this. I've, I have never heard anything about it online. It was a, a live-action version of the Jungle Book um, where Mowgli was actually an adult. He was in his 20s or so. He'd been living in the, in the jungle for years. And Sam Neill's in it. Carrie Elwes is in it. Um, the guy who plays uh, Mr. Hyde from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh. Come on. He, a, he plays Azazel. Yeah, from X-Men First Class. <laughs> oh. Jason Fleming. Yeah. Jason Fleming's in it. That guy. Um, it's got a really, really, really good cast. Uh, Jason Scott Lee's in it. Okay. And it's it's all uh, real animals, like a trained bear and a trained tiger and stuff playing. The, and oh, it's yes. got every single, you know, it's got Baloo in it. It's got all them. And this, it was just so cool. And it, it didn't get very good reviews and stuff, but it was so awesome. And you can't actually get it on DVD, I don't think, which bums me out. This, but is, I, this is like... Disney's Jungle would, Book, right? Like it is. It is a Disney a Disney movie, yes, but it was a live action uh, yeah. from '94. Yeah. Yeah, and and we've seen like um, there, there's been a couple of other direct to video Jungle Book kids movies since. Yeah. Um, but I'm talking like a big budget adventure Jungle Book movie would be very cool. Yeah. Um, with today's technology, I really think that it's one of my favorite stories as a kid. So I think it'd be cool to see it. I mean, I want to see it more of a, not darker, but more sophisticated, you know what I mean, than... Yeah, and, you know, it, uh, certainly it looks like Disney may have, like, the rights to our... Well, Jungle Book was originally a book, right? Roger Kipling, I think, wrote yeah. it. Yeah, so it's probably... It might be out there in the ether. It could be, it could be like, a. It, it could be a... Public domain. Public domain, work. Yeah. So, uh, it would be interesting to see what other people could do with it. It... I think that it, there's a potential there for a very cool, even a franchise, yeah. if done right. So, all right, Gojo. Well, you mentioned Carrie Elwes. It got me thinking. Uh, there's actually, there's actually a sequel to The Princess Bride. Really, um, I've never seen it. That starts The Princess Bride. No, I've never oh. seen the sequel. Okay, there is it's a sequel. it's not a movie. It's, it's a book. It's a book. Okay, so which The Princess Bride was uh, well, there, originally there you a go. book. Yeah, there's um, me being an idiot. But um, but. Um, it actually it starts right when they escape from the castle uh, oh. at the end of Princess Bride, and it starts. It's like Empire Strikes Back. Starts. You got you got 
uh, Humperdick's armies are chasing him across the board. I had no, how did and, I have no idea this ever existed? Like, awesome. I, I had no yeah, idea. It's, um, and um, it's really, they just, it's the, the big four, you know, um, Wesley, Buttercup, Inigo, and uh, Fezzik. They are like, they're in the middle of some serious, uh, some serious crap. And uh, uh, Buttercup gets pregnant and... Um, Wow. Yeah, and she has like this awful labor. Stop that's... spoiling this movie. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just but I mean, there's it. There's <clears throat> th- that's one that you know you could Absolutely. feasibly I could, expand. I on could that. have seen like if if Andre the Giant was still around. Yeah. Yeah. I could see them all returning to make this movie. Yeah, and that's, that's interesting like, because yeah. I that's that's my, was my next question with this this idea is do you have the original cast come back and then kind of find a way uh-huh. to to set the story. I'd be Here's okay with you know, seeing Carrie Elwes and Robin he, Wright. Carrie Car- uh, Elwes has put on a few pounds, he um, has. but I think he, he could cut uh, the way. And I think, he I, could yeah, I think, I think he could. I think they, since it picks up literally immediately after Princess You'd have Bride, to change the. They'd have to be younger. I would younger think you would have actors. to recast. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's got a, it's got a fully realized uh, world outside of just what we've seen in the movies. Oh, absolutely. Um, so there's another universe there you could pick up. Um, wow, I would say cool, one actually. one aspect if we were going to go and pick up a new franchise or pick up an old franchise like say like Wizard of Oz or even Star Wars one thing I would like to see more of is just a deviation from established characters and stories like yeah. like Star Wars universe you've got um, you have a, an entire galaxy to work with yeah. you could seri- you could literally start an entirely new saga with entirely new characters, with entirely new locations. Um, but you've got a basis of a galaxy set up. Um, and But I, I, I think that's probably too risky for most companies. Sure. Um, because, you it's know, you the see the a Star Wars The safe choice is to go back to yeah. the original characters and to yeah. go back to what we know and, and what has been established as a moneymaker to begin with. But yeah, I mean, so. you take a look at uh, movies that are starting something entirely new, like well, not entirely new, but like say Guardians of the Galaxy. Sure. Um, you're essentially you're going into totally uncharted territory. Yeah. Um, in the Marvel universe. In the Marvel universe, yeah. Um, if you could, if we could do that with already established franchises uh, like Star Wars, or I don't know, take your pick on any other. Any Lord other of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, yeah. Pick up some Harry Potter. Yeah, pick up some totally new characters in that established world. I think you've got. I, I I would I personally would like to see something like that. Yeah, and I think what they what the dangers of doing that. Uh, it, it's really hard in the first place to not tread the same ground. You don't want to tell characters. the same story. Like you know, you don't want to clearly be like this is the Luke Skywalker of the story, and yeah. this is the. Well, that's one yeah. of the weakest parts about the Hobbit, in my opinion. Yeah, is that we're essentially it's a very very similar concept of the party getting together and journeying across the land to reach a common goal. Yeah, yeah. so it, I get what you're saying. So so that that's kind of a big danger. And I was just kind of thinking as you said that, like we've had talk of Zack Snyder maybe doing like a Star Wars uh, samurai film of some sort, like an offshoot. And you know, I'd be interested in seeing what they would do with that. But I was thinking like, what if we did something that kind of intersects the 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 rebel the galactic war yeah but isn't really as ingrained in it but the issue with that is that we've got so much star wars canon 
in like the Clone Wars and all that kind of stuff that basically says all the characters you know are everywhere in this war. Well, I think ultimately you that need was, to rely think, on just yeah. the films. I think that that's uh, honestly like I mean as, as yeah. cool as the expanded universe is with when you come when it comes to something like Star Wars or like for God's sake Transformers. Do you know how many like different offshoots of Transformers well, there are yeah, in different canons? Yeah. I think ultimately... Well, you know Let's forget about the film Transformers and go with one of those other <laughs> well, ones. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Go with G1. Um, no, but uh, no, I think that... Megatron is a gun, yes? <laughs> yes. I want to see that in a movie. How does he but, um, walk? Yeah. How, does, how do you work? Um, no, I think ultimately with, with something like that, you need to almost completely ignore the expanded universe. And I hate to say that because... I, 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 there's a plethora of awesome stories, but essentially those could all be what-ifs and those well, could all be... Yeah, although... Here, what you could think of is let's make a movie that is that is expanded universe. Sure. Yeah. I mean, think of expanded universe as everything that is not in the main saga. You could tell you could tell a perfectly serviceable Star Wars side story um, that involves I don't maybe some other doesn't have to be a band of adventurers. I don't or know, even maybe. a trilogy of Star Wars films based yeah. around a smaller scale conflict yeah. or something. It'd be interesting to see a Star Wars movie that takes place on one planet. Yeah, because that's something that you've never seen in a Star Wars film. Like, what if we're talking about Star Wars fifteen fifteen, and it's just like the depths of Coruscant, like yeah. crazy smugglers and oh, criminals God. and things. They're canceled. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we'll yeah. There are. I mean, there are planets um, in the Star Wars universe, um, both cinematic and expanded, that are just. I mean, they just boggle the imagination. Really, yeah. like Coruscant's an entire planet city and it has we've seen like levels and levels of yeah. i mean th- you what would you find on a planet that was all one city yeah i mean think about the things you find in a city on our planet yeah. i mean the differences in in architecture and terrain and whatnot i mean you could exp- you have social such, standing and yeah you have such a rich universe to explore and okay uh, we're sticking with star wars but say i don't know maybe you go to lord of the rings um I mean, how how much of Middle Earth have we actually seen? Um, yeah, and, and I, I, yeah. I know that the argument against that might be, well, there haven't been books written about, you know, like that's it for books. But there are pages and pages of appendices in those books yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that are full of just brief glimpses of stories from before. And all you have to do is expand on those initial yeah. stories. And you know, it's not like it's, it's not like it's the Bible. I mean, it's not like somebody's going <laughs> right. to smite you down exactly. if, if you if you make if you expand upon this story. Oh, well, it's like I, mean, I think the well, hardcore yeah, okay. hardcore Tolkien fans probably have already smited Peter Jackson once or yeah, twice. Anyway, exactly. so what does it, it matter? Burned at this point? effigies, but yeah. I mean, the, you've got in, that's that's one one thing about fiction that bothers me is people authors create a, just whole worlds. But then we're only going to stay focused on one or two stories and small groups of characters in. And a lot of that just has to do with the the comfort zone of the audience. Don't fix it. Like this is going to keep making us money. Why would we try and change things that you know people want to see? Right. And there's that. And there's there's the very real uh, reality that um, audiences, like we were talking about with Oz, if you stray too far from. Their audiences won't be comfortable with something that strays too far from what they expect, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, which that's, that's is understandable but unfortunate. Um, but I think there's a there's a huge huge wealth of of stories out there. I mean, anywhere from back in the you know the early 1900s to before to films that were made in the 70s. Yeah. I mean that that are ripe for a potential 
remake or reboot or reimagining or sequel or whatever, you know, and I think that you have to be careful with which ones you pick and choose. I think some would work and some wouldn't, but I think that, you know, if done right, I think there's a lot of really cool stuff that uh, a lot of potential franchises that could be created um, because of uh, reigniting those original ideas. Yeah. I don't know. It, 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 there's there's some cool possibilities out there. Yeah, I well, it's it, and it's going to happen. Oh, sure. Like, we're going to get back around to all those things that you're thinking of because clearly right now the pop culture is just eating itself and we're getting back to... Yeah, we're just going back to what was popular exactly. years ago and we're like, hey, let's... And that's the way it is. That. Things happen in, in, in waves. I mean, yeah. it's, that's the way it is. And honestly, for... For every you know few of those you get, you do get original properties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that in turn that start will be the remade like thirty yeah. years later. And you're, I mean, you're always going to get original stuff. You're just probably not going to get it in the volume that you want. Yeah. Sure. Um, but you know, I I think it's perfectly legitimate to take existing stuff and to use that to to use it as like a go between from a totally new idea, connecting yeah. it to an existing idea. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I, I I think that's that's woefully missing in, uh, in fiction works today. Yeah, Sad, sadly, it's like the, the movie studios don't even want it. Like, there's probably people out there thinking of those kinds of things oh, and yeah. writing them in the scripts, but the studios just don't want to take those chances. It's so like, hopefully, uh, where's lightsabers? Where's Yoda? Where's, exactly. Where's Luke and Han and Leia? Is throw it up. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We could see more of that with like the fact that they want to do these standalone Star Wars films, as long as it's yeah. not just like here's Star Wars Yoda and here's Star Wars Obi Wan. Although I'd be okay Sorry. with seeing more Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I, I would honestly maybe a a spinoff of Obi Wan and Anakin Adventures. I would not be opposed to that. With uh, Hayden Christensen returning, I would be opposed to that. Um, <laughs> uh, as as much as I hate the prequels, which uh, for those of you who are not familiar with me, I hate the prequels. Um, He's also performed in the prequels. I have also stage. performed in uh, stage show of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> um, I would I would if they're going to stick with the prequel universe, I would love to see. I'd love to see expansions on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I. Uh, <laughs> it's a fine it, it, line. Yeah, there is a very fine line yes. that I cannot uh, easily define um, to where you should tread and where you should not. Uh, yeah. But keep it fresh. That's all I got to say. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps up uh, everything we wanted to talk about today. Uh, we kind of took a dive off at the end there, but I think it was an interesting conversation <laughs> to have. Yeah, anyway. absolutely. So, I think it's something to talk about. Yeah, yeah. We'll probably end up talking about it more later on anyway. Just It's, because it's relevant to film as it is today, so, yeah. you know. It was um, probably my fault. No. I apologize. No, not at all. Not at all. I We've apologize, got... podcast audience. <laughs> yeah, Tim Long. The I'm one, so sorry. The one podcast I'm audience I'm so sorry, member. Tim. Um no, it, to, we've gotten on way, way worse, <laughs> like, deeper, like, here's how Doctor Strange got that one pair of shoes he wore that one time. Like, you know. Oh, that pair of shoes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, this is, this is, this is nothing compared to that. But, um, many thanks to my brother, at Mr. John on Twitter, he's currently gallivanting around Europe, so our European fans can go check him out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, thank Thanks to him for the artwork and the music that we use. Um, I'm at Johnny1703 on Twitter. You got at Hemo Williak for Willie. Gojo doesn't have a Twitter. I don't have a Twitter. 
but I was on a stage. <laughs> I was in a stage performance of uh, the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, yeah, and uh, we didn't get to Kyle X Y. Oh, you guys have seen Kyle X Y? Oh yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We keep yeah. trying to get to it um, every podcast, and we just run out of time. It's really sad. Uh, yeah. No. Next time. So one day, but uh, we'll do a Kyle X Y blowout. Just talk about all three seasons. Oh yeah. And, uh, it's gonna be great. Yeah. But anyway, go watch a movie. Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no! Just all the just all the mouth noises right at the beginning. It's that it was, night. It was rough. All right, here we go. <clears throat> okay, bitch.